0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff SpoonieBarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gold Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Barker with this week's message from Story Point Church. Hey, what if,
1: what if you were in a room full of people? I say room, maybe 15 or 20 people. And the person who was leading the group said, I want to hear some God stories. And you're sitting somewhere about in the middle. And so people in the room start telling their God stories. And as it gets closer and closer to you, you start having that oh no moment. Because you're thinking to yourself, man, they've got some really cool stories. What do I have? You ever, you ever felt like that? Like, man, you're hearing all these things. You go, man, I could never, never be able to tell those stories because, man, nothing like that ever happens to me. What if, what if you got your own stories? What if you had so many stories that you couldn't stop telling them because right before your very eyes, God was doing supernatural things, not only in front of you, but what if he was doing it through you? And what if you were able to say at the end of the day, I can't believe I get to do this. Wouldn't wouldn't you want to live that kind of life? Well, guess what? You can, and not only is it a you can, but that's what God wants to do in and through you. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. So I'm going to give you a a sermonette this morning because I've invited two friends from Georgia to, to, to speak with us today. I'm going to do an interview with them, and... Uh, I met, Josh and I met them a couple of years ago uh, be, through hunting, basically. A mutual friend of ours introduced us, and then we went hunting with them, and we've just become friends. And to be honest with you, even though I love hunting with with them, what I really love about the time is hearing the stories, because I know every time we get together, I'm going to hear something cool that God did. And here's the best part. They would tell you they're not superstars. They would tell you they're not super gifted in all kinds of spiritual ways. What they would tell you is they're normal, ordinary, everyday people who get to wake up in the morning and be a part of God's incredible plan for people to come to know Him. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. The Bible says, There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord. He replied, Get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, To the house of Judas, And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, Since he is praying there. In a vision, He has seen a man named Ananias Coming in and placing his hand on him So that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man And how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here ...from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, Ananias went... He went, he entered the house, he placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me to you so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Hey, let's pull the lights up, can we? Just make it brighter in here, please. And so... Here's what's happening. Saul is on his way to Damascus with letters from the chief priest. And those letters give him him the explicit right to capture, arrest, persecute, and even kill those who are followers of Jesus. Now, not only does he have the ability to do this and the charge to do it, Saul does, but he also has the ambition to do it. He thinks that he is doing God's will by going from from town to town, wrangling up all the believers in Jesus and making them suffer. He thought he was doing what God had said to do, but what he didn't realize is that he was actually working against God. He was a religious man, he just didn't know Jesus. And so on his way to to Damascus, God blinded him, not with science, but... Okay, some of y'all who are... Okay, let it pencil. God blinded him with a bright light, and he basically couldn't see anything. And so the people that were traveling with him led him into Damascus and, and basically left him there. Now, you have two people in this story, primary people. You have Saul, who's the one who God is working in, and then you have Ananias, the one who, is, who God is working through. Now, Ananias, the Bible says, was a disciple. It says, there was a disciple. Here's what I super love about this passage. Everywhere God is working, he puts one of his disciples. And everywhere God is working, he uses one of his disciples to be a part of his work. Now, think about it. God could have won Saul straight to the kingdom of God without any help from Ananias or anybody else. Don't you believe that? He didn't need Ananias... But he chose to use Ananias. Listen, church, God chooses to use us. And aren't you glad that he does? He goes, you know what? I don't want to do this all on my own. I want to give Ananias a chance to be a part of something really, really cool. I want to give him a really neat story to be able to tell his kids and his grandkids. But what if? What if Ananias said to the Lord, Lord, I don't think I want to do that. Too much risk, too much danger, too much fear... What if Ananias decided not to go? Well, we know that God would have done in Saul what God was already going to do. He would have just chosen to use somebody else. Could you imagine being the guy that could have been the one that led Saul to Christ, which literally changed the world, and and instead you had to be the guy who could have, and yet somebody else did simply because you didn't want to go? Could you imagine that story? That would be a story you'd be telling your grandkids. I remember the day when God gave me a chance to change the world for centuries and generations. And yet I was afraid. No, the Bible says that Ananias heard the Lord and he said, here I am, Lord. When he said, here I am, Lord, he said the common phrase that I've used. He put his yes on the table. I believe that Ananias, based on what we know about him had a willing heart to simply be obedient to God, and he listened for his voice on a daily basis. And when he heard the Lord say, Ananias, of course he would say, yes, Lord. By the way, a little side note, God knows your name. Uh, There's so much we could say about that. We don't have time today, but if God knows your name, the Bible also tells us that he knows the number of hairs on your head or not. He knows every intimate detail about you. He knows your passions. He knows your fears. He knows your desires. He knows your anxieties. He knows your skills. He knows all about you. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. Don't you believe that our Father is a good, good Father, And he seeks to take the one he created, you, and use you in a way that matches how he created you. You could say it this way. He desires to fulfill your greatest longing by using you to be a conduit for his great glory. You will never be more fulfilled than when you are in the perfect will of God. You will never be more fulfilled than when you can look and say, God is at work in me and through me. And so God knew Ananias. And he said to Ananias, I want you to get up and go to a street called Straight. So I just imagine Ananias pulls out a notepad, maybe pulls out his iPad, and he's, go to a street, I don't want to miss this, go to a street called Straight... And then go to the house of Judah. Okay, go to the house of Judas. Ask for a name from Tarsus named Saul. Ask for a man... Uh, uh, huh? Run that by me again? You want me to... Okay, I got the straight part and I got the Judas part. You want me to talk to Saul? Now, God tells Ananias to go and speak to Saul. And if I say Paul, I mean Saul. The name changes there. But in verse 13... Ananias answered God by a question. Maybe you could call it a doubt, but I would actually be more of a a question. Listen, you may have been taught, don't ever question God, and that's wrong. Questioning, well, let me ask you a question. When your kid says to you, hey, can you explain this to me? Is your answer always because I said so? No. Now, that is some of the answer. But most of the time, because you love your child... ...when your child is asking you out of an honest heart... ...really wanting to know, hey, what's going on here? I'll obey, but I just kind of want to know why. I don't understand this. You don't get angry at that. You don't get frustrated at that. You actually want them to say, why? So that you can build them and grow them... ...and mature them in the faith or, or in life, right? When you ask God the question, why... That, it depends on the heart, but I think that honors God. I think it's a way of you saying, at least I think what Ananias was saying is, Lord, listen, I don't question what you say, but I am wondering what I heard. How many times have you done that? I've done that a lot. In fact, I recommend doing that. When you hear the Lord say, thus saith the Lord, I highly recommend you going back and say, Lord, I just want to make sure I got all the details right. That'll save you from doing something stupid if the Lord hadn't thus said it. Right? But notice the the question wasn't out of disbelief. The question was, this doesn't make sense. I want to obey, but I've got to know that I've heard your voice. In Samuel, or in the book of Judges, we have Gideon. Gideon heard from the Lord. It made no sense. And so Gideon said, Lord, listen, I will obey you, but I'm going to set out a fleece because I just want to make sure that I'm being obedient to you, right? He set out a fleece, and then he goes, okay, Lord, now let's flip it over. Now this time, you know the story, right? So Ananias says to the Lord, Lord, I've heard many people, from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to you and your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority. Let me tell you what Ananias was saying. Ananias was saying, Lord, I'm willing to go, but I just want to make sure I heard you correctly, because by going, if if I'm thinking about this correctly, my life is about to end, and the work of, of your church is about to end. Because I am willingly going to the man who has come with the explicit purpose, with the express purpose of killing those who follow Jesus. Is this really what you want? And God said, in a nutshell, I hear you, but I want you to know that what you don't see is that I have captured his heart. And you're going to help me to make clear to him who I am. Guys, I don't know of a more risky thing in life that is such a sure bet than being obedient to the voice of God. Does that make sense? Listen, following Jesus as a disciple is risky. But it's really not risky if you know who God is. The only risk is what you don't know, but even in the risk, you know that God... Already knows. I hope I just talked in a complete circle and made you go whoop, right? Here's what I mean. If you're going to invest your money in something, you look at risk, right? And you say, do I want to risk? Am I willing to lose this money in this investment? But if you look at the track record of that investment and say, in the last 200 years, it has performed exceptionally well. You say to yourself, there is risk. But the track record tells me that the risk is not really much risk. It's scary, but I know the foundation of the one or the thing that I'm investing in. And so you're willing to take that chance. Being a disciple is kind of the same way. You have thousands of years of testimony of the faithfulness of God. You have story after story after story of God taking someone and completely changing everything in their life, even when it is impossible to see that happen. I mean, think of the stories we have of when God says, look, this isn't going to make much sense to you, but this is what I want you to do. And out of obedience, the person who's following God says, okay, Lord, I'll do it. It don't make sense. And then afterwards they go, can you believe that happened? Can you believe God did that? That's what happened here. And so Ananias, in verse 17, Ananias went. That's where I want you to be today. Actually, I don't want you, to, I want you to be through this whole story. I want you to say, here I am, Lord. In other words, I'm listening. And then I want you to say, Lord, I just want to clarify, is this what you really want me to do? And you hear from the Lord again and say, okay, Lord, my answer is yes. Even though I don't know what's going to happen, I'm going to trust that I've heard your voice, and I'm going to trust that you are a good, good father. So he went... And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain sight. Listen, guys, God is at work everywhere you go. There is not a place on this earth where God is not already at work. God is not lack of work. He's lack of disciples willing to be obedient and go. We know that because the Scripture tells us in Matthew... The harvest is plentiful. It is the laborers that are few. So much so that you're not even necessarily supposed to pray for the harvest. You're supposed to pray for the people to go and reap the harvest. And here's the best part. God doesn't need a superstar to go reap the harvest. He needs a willing believer. He needs someone like you and someone like me who will say, Lord, I'm just going to start walking. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Amen? So... My friends, Danny and Lynn, have been moving in their life towards more and more obedience. And again, we don't have all the time in the world to have conversation with them. But I want you to hear just the simplicity about which they live. It really is, Lord, I know you're at work somewhere today. So send me to the place where you're at work and then give me the boldness to speak up in the name of Jesus. So would you welcome Danny and Lynn? They're going to come on up here. Uh, Lynn is in blue. There you go. Danny. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of set the stage just to to get us to the point of of, uh, the stories. Because those are really cool parts. Um, And so... You, by, by uh, training, were a, a railroad man. What did you do with the railroad? Engineer or were you a... The electrician working electrician. on locomotives. Okay, so you were, you were working on the railroad all the area. live long day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to that, that There's an endless, bottomless pit of jokes. Um, you guys are from uh, McDonough, Georgia. So right there we are all from. And uh, as a, a railroad engineer or a railroad electrician, uh, you just had a normal normal life. You were married, and uh, your wife died after about 26 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you met Lynn, and you wanted to marry a missionary. You believe God wanted him to uh, to be somebody. So you you waited 40-something years for God to send you a missionary in a railroad man. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense right there. But because of your love for the woods and hunting and stuff, you just started... Uh, to figure out if you develop properties and bought them, you could hunt on them and then sell them and then do that over and over and over. And at some point, Forbes magazine labeled you as your company as one of the largest landowners in the country. And so you basically built an empire, uh, faithful to the Lord, but, but having a really good time in life. I mean, there's probably not a whole lot of... You, you would jump in your jet and fly over to the place, right? And I mean, you, you were definitely living your best life. And then 2008 happened, and you pretty much lost most all of it. Let's, let's pick up right there. So um, that, that year when you, the, the, the notes were called and the mortgage crisis happened, what did God teach you? What did God do in you uh, at that time?
2: Well, at that time, we just uh, kept doing what we, uh, what we were doing. We were taught to work hard and uh, uh, just uh, work, work, work diligently, work uh, diligently. The, the phrase, as unto the Lord, was used a lot because uh, uh, we would just uh, do those things that, that, that seemed to honor the Lord and that we could, uh, I guess, in our mind justify anyway. But uh, basically, we lost all that we had uh, materially, uh, went back to work for diesel fuel and lunch money. And so uh, that, was our, that was our new normal. And as we began to recover, we actually went a couple of years, uh, Lynn and I, went a couple of years without a paycheck. Now there were some miraculous things going on in God's accounting there that didn't match our accounting. Uh, The the first year that we went without a paycheck, we actually miraculously came up with the money and paid income tax on the exact same amount that we did the year before when we did have a paycheck. Lots of details in that story, but nonetheless, we were continuing to uh, be faithful to God um, the, the saying, when you don't know what to do, don't abandon what you do know to do. Hmm. Think about that just a second and think about how many times, how many ways, how many processes that can, that can work in, especially if you believe that God is in control. And so we uh, begin to recover from that. Uh, my two brothers and I got a brother older and a brother younger. Uh, come 2015, 16, uh, my older brother and I decided that we might not live long enough to put in another 15 years of recovery should the uh, economy uh, treat us that way once again. And so uh, we divided up our, our money, what we had that we called our retirement, and uh, Lynn and I put it to work in uh, the town of Griffin in some rental property. Uh, again, just uh, human human wisdom in that, I guess, a little bit of mathematics, but uh, uh so we began to uh, rebuild old mill houses in Griffin. You might have seen some of that on the news in the last few days. A tornado went through there, and uh, uh, remodeled the town, to say the least. Uh, if you've seen that mm-hmm. on the news, but
1: uh, can I can I just real quick? I don't want to ho- cut your thought there, but what you said, I want to help people connect the dots here. You didn't. You don't just sit around waiting for God to show you something. You. you hey, we're ringing pretty good here. Can you hear that? You. You just. You, you do what your normal life is but you look for where God is working in the midst of your normal life like you, you still work you, you, you use the skills you have but it's those skills that God uses for his own glory is that what I'm hearing you say? yes, yes. and as uh, time went on there uh,
2: circumstances would uh, I guess uh, encourage me uh, push me, direct me uh, to begin to pray Lord I know you're going to be working where I'm going today. I would I would admit that, and I I admit that every morning. Don't let me miss the appointment you have for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a driven guy. Okay, if if you're gonna make any money in this world, you you probably are a driven person. It's your schedule, and uh, uh, actually, the uh, o- over the years, our younger brother would turn out to be the gas, and the two older brothers would be the brakes. Understand that. That kind, of, that kind of perception that uh, every dollar should buy a dollar and a quarter's worth, and there was 26 hours in every day. Uh, anything could be accomplished, just the impossible took a little longer. <laughs> Anybody live in that kind of world where it's just go, go, go? Well, you know, uh, God can even use that, and he develops, uh, he develops from that a way to be able to teach us through those, through those things and so we begin to pray, Lord. I know you're going to be working where I'm going today. Don't let me miss the appointment you have for me, because too many times it's about my agenda, and not His. And then we would begin to pray, Lord, show us some successes. Now we're, you know, I'm, I'm, I may be the lowest of the lowest, and maybe the only one in here that uh, that understands this. But I need some encouragement along the way I need I need to be able to see that I'm going in the right direction or doing at least more and more of the right things and so the Lord began to give us opportunity and show us those things where he would have us be a part of his plan and pointed out to us in a way that we didn't miss it and that was my desire that was my hope that uh, even uh, just like in the story of Ananias yeah we we question wow does that even make sense but you know first of all God says, My ways are not your ways. My, my, my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We can rest in that. That's a part of don't abandon what you do know to do when you don't know what to do.
1: That's so good. And folks don't really know you, so they wouldn't necessarily know that you're the polar opposite of his personality. He's a very driven, go, go, go. You're much more reserved and you're, you're much more, I don't want to say thoughtful because that's not probably the right word, but maybe more introspective. You worked with the juvenile justice system for several years, right? And God, we're going to talk about that later, but God God used your skill set too in this combination as, as a balance. Was there ever any frustration because you were so different um, <laughs> I guess I could, uh, out of Don't go there. How, how did you work that out? Uh, cause you, you're the, I'm assuming you're the gas, you're the break in the marriage, right? You're, you're the, yeah, often. often,
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah not all the time. But absolutely. How, how did y'all work that out? Cause living with, living with this is, I mean, my wife understands that, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> hard well,
0: and you learn to understand it. And, um, it, the thing is, is that I do see God working in his life. It's not the same thing for me. And and he and I have had conversations. He's like, how do I get you involved in this? Well, that's not what the Lord is leading me to do right now. So, you know, he would go to work in Griffin, and he would do lots of things. If you would have contacts for me, you know, I would follow up with them. But nothing ever really materialized for me to work and, and be a part of that. And so I had other things going on. You know, in my community and working and in the church and, and with people. Um, I, I'm a caregiver for my mom and my sister, and, you know, they've, they've got Alzheimer's, and so I work with them. And, and so I just had so many other things going on. Um, so he, he would go and do what he did and, and come back in the evening, and we compare notes and talk and, and go from there. Um, I, I still see God doing a lot of things in my life and still working with, with the families. And, and, and I've got a, and I won't say a greater love for children. We've got 10 grandkids, and so I spend a lot of time with grandkids. But I work with the Good News Club. I uh, direct the GAs at our church. Uh, I do a prison ministry with children. So I have a whole lot of other things going on working.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important for, for all of us to hear, is that God doesn't expect you to be Danny. And he doesn't expect Danny to be Lynn. He only needs one Danny. And he only needs one Lynn. And I think what I love about watching your, your relationship is that you respect each other's gifts and you've worked through the hardship of it to, to really appreciate that God is at work through both of you, both together and separately. And there's, there's a, an, you know, I always hated the phrase, you complete me, right? I mean, we, we all saw that movie. No, you don't. You make me better. At least you should, right? Yeah. But you're complete in Christ. He's gifted yeah. you and he's, he's, he's made you like he's made you with his imprint on you for a reason. Right. Um, I don't want people, too, to think that if they don't have these dramatic stories, that they don't have a story. Because sometimes we, we label stories, and I'm, I'm sometimes guilty of maybe even saying it wrong. I, I think I might have started that way. Anytime God uses you, you have a story and your less dramatic story you may not realize becomes the dramatic story two generations down the road that wouldn't have happened had you not done your part i mean i know you've seen that multiple times in your own life of connecting for uh, for
2: many many years i was i was that guy hey just ordinary guy nothing on un- you you know hadn't made any money names not in lights nobody knows who i am i don't even have any Power any impact or make any difference in anybody's life. Uh, what I've, what I, what what God is teaching me though, is the more I put my faith and my trust in Him, the more active I become for Him. The 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 actually the more dramatic the story gets because it becomes more like, more like Christ. And it's it's not about me. Don't uh, don't don't hear don't don't hear that out of us. Uh, we just want to give the glory to God. We want to be the conduit and the reflection. Not the source, but the resource to be able to sh- to show the way for others. Just as what, hundreds of times in the Scripture it talks about that. Actually, a uh, case in point there. and I'm uh, sorry about the details here, uh, Jeff. We're just uh, caught up in this, and I got to keep up somehow. So uh, uh, anyway, so as we were developing these uh, these rental houses in Griffin, of course we'd encounter people, and uh, uh, the the system is uh, is, is built for. Certain things, I guess, I probably better not comment on that too much. But anyway, the, so I'd go home and tell Lynn the story and she'd say, well, those people are just taking advantage of you. She said, they just want your money. And you know, about the third time I heard that, I said, you know what, honey? As long as Lord continues to give me $300 to give away, if it leads me to people to tell them about Jesus, when when he quits, I'll quit. So we're still at it. So it became, it became not... Not what I could do, but what he would allow me to do through what he had put in my hands. And yeah, we didn't, I mean, it didn't make, you, you know, had to be somewhat smart about it. But still, when somebody comes and says, can you help me? I mean, what could that mean? How many, how many answers are there, are there to that question?
1: You know, what I love about what you just said is that some would say, oh, she didn't have any faith. But really, God was using her to keep you grounded, mm-hmm. to keep you from going overboard, and He was using you to build her, her trust and her faith. and, and her, I mean, it, was, it really was God using the two of you as iron sharpens iron. You know, when I look in, in my own marriage with Shannon, uh, he's done that with us. Uh, we are polar opposites in so many ways. And yet the two of us have learned to listen and to let God use each other in our life. And the thing that I wish people could really catch is this. You don't get that in the first year of marriage usually, right? I think sometimes people give up way too soon Mm -hmm. and they miss what God really wants to do. But it takes the long term, I think, of growing. So that's just a little side
2: note there. You know, I, I hear that in men's ministry, I hear that, iron sharpens iron. You know what, when you sharpen iron, there's sparks, <laughs> there's heat, there's, a, I mean, it's not a, it's not a fun, pretty, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not elevator music kind of stuff, so usually there's some, some fireworks, there's some heat, there's some tarry, there's some grinding, it's, it's not a, it's not the picture you think of as,
1: uh, I'm not sure this is, uh, <laughs> this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. So, uh so, God uses relationships. And by the way, before we get to that, your mother taught you something when you were young, a, a saying about, about generosity. Can mm-hmm. you share that with folks? That, you need to write this down. Get, <laughs> get a pen or whatever. Write this down. This is worth it. Gold. Now, you've got to remember
2: that uh, I grew up in a home where, uh, where my dad was born in 1928, and uh, he had an eighth grade education. I think he had started the eighth grade the third time uh, to stay at home with his grandfather who eventually passed away and... Anyway, he drove a forklift for General Motors, so it wasn't like his name was in lights either, huh? And he was, uh, he was just doing, but he was a godly man, salt of the earth kind of people, if you understand uh, those, those terminologies. But anyway, we, uh, we had gone out west and uh, had bought some ranches, mostly on the credit. It was even that, looking back on it, was a miracle that God would put us in those places at those times. We came. We came home from Christmas for Christmas and went to Mama's, and you were expected to be there, or you better have a, a good excuse or a doctor's note. And so, uh, and so from that, just kind of fast forward here a minute. My mama would teach us that God doesn't put it in, talking about the blessings and the resources. God doesn't put it in with a shovel for you to hand it out with a spoon. Now, if we go back to Go back to biblical days. To him, to whom much has been given, much will be required. I don't think that's talking about interest in the bank or, you know, number of Cadillacs and those kind of things. I think that's talking about populating heaven. And so, and so when it says much will be required, that means that it's not for us. the The blessings of life are to give glory to God by by bringing somebody else to the kingdom. So we're We're pretty good at being selfish, or at least me and my family are. And so as the blessings come, we have to be careful that we don't just bundle them up and say, uh, I got this and look what I did and these kinds of things. No, it's the reflection and the conduit to be able to be a blessing to others. So uh, we actually have, you know, you've seen those uh, groundbreaking shovels that are, I guess, somewhere, they're gold-plated or whatever. But anyway, we actually have a few of those sitting around it says God doesn't put it in with a shovel, hmm. for you to hand it out with a spoon. Pauline Adams,
1: That's that so was good. my mom. That is rich. That that that. I hope you tweet that out, and I hope you put that on Facebook, because there is truth. <laughs> That's a truth nugget right there. Um, so connection-wise, you you made multiple connections from one person to another to another to another, which f- eventually led you to uh, Osiemo. Oh, oh, Nis- From Africa, who Mm -hmm. came to the states to Atlanta, left his wife and three kids, sold a lot of stuff, came to Atlanta to go to school, and then you got a call that pretty much said, "Hey, I don't have anything. I don't have what I need to live or to eat. Can you help me?" Right, (laughs) like just dropped
2: in your lap. This was uh, this was one of those uh, one of those things one of those God things. Looking back on it, at the moment I said, "Uh, "What what is this?" You know, I mean, I'm again, I'm a driven guy. I'm on schedule, right? But now I got more to do. Uh, so this, uh, this mutual friend, uh, spiritual godson of a mutual friend of ours, uh, called me from uh, uh, Atlanta one day and uh, had come to the States to go to school. What I did not know, this was, I think I said this was on a Friday, and the first place we went was to work. So there you go, Mama, you got that, huh? Uh, so uh, uh, the first place we went was, was to work. And what I did not know is that Beulah Heights University in Atlanta had told Mo that D.D. did not have a, a permanent address, a place basically to stay by Monday, literally two days later, they were putting him on the plane and sending him back to Africa. Hmm. So it was, you know, it was crunch time, but I didn't know it was crunch time.
1: He was praying that God would answer that prayer, wasn't he? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You didn't know you were
2: the answer? No, no. And, and I didn't either. It wasn't like I had to, had the answer and he didn't. Once again... Uh, I, the 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 words that come that words that the words that come to, to my mind in, in this situation is intentionality and boldness. When 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 it comes time to make a decision about even just life life issues, things where we don't know what the outcome is, we're looking for those things that will honor God. And another phrase that comes to, to mind with that is will I Offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. Hmm. If I'm just going to give him the leftovers, if I'm just going to fill in the time when I don't have something else to do, if I'm just going to fit him into my schedule, it's, gonna be, it's not going to be very pretty. It's not going to be very fulfilling or very good or very God-like, very Christ-like. What I have to pray is that, Lord, I know you're going to be working where I'm going today. Don't let me be so naive and so busy and so selfish that I miss the part that you have for me to play in this. And so when you when you pray those kinds of prayers and then you become intentional about it, of course then you got to have something to say when you get there, then you got to show some boldness, you got to you got to got to step up when it's real easy to say, oh, that's not for me. that's, that's just not that's just not, not not what I'm up to. That boldness then, kicks in at that time and folks let me tell you after you've experienced a few of these things and you can look back on it and say wow what a what a day what a week i mean it's, you get up each morning saying lord where are we going today and what's the what's what's the excitement it really does does generate some
1: excitement uh, in your life some might say man this this was this was wasn't really a, a church sermon so to speak I, I would argue that this was as much of a sermon as anything i've ever preached and here's why i could teach you all about how the temple's built and i could teach you about how jewish tradition and history ties into the sacrificial system and i could teach you all kinds of biblical knowledge and we'd all be like wow that's amazing that's great but then what what are you going to do with that I mean, hopefully that will give you a grander view of who God is and make you want to love Him and serve Him more. But at the end of the day, we have a very simple command. It's two parts. Love God, love people. We know we're supposed to love God. We know we're supposed to love people. James 1.22 says this, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. In fact, if you go into Corinthians, you'll find the Scripture says, Knowledge puffs up, Right? But love never fails. Love is where we're supposed to be. So what I want you to do today, what I want you to do now, is turn your eyeballs inward. Ask the Lord, Lord, what have you given me that you want to use in your kingdom? How how, how can you use me? Maybe you'll say, little old me. Or maybe you'll say, Lord, you could really use me. Well, if you're like that, you probably ought to back it up a few notches because God will do with or without you. But the point is, let God use whatever He's implanted in you for His own glory. Now, I I said it earlier, maybe, maybe many folks will leave today and be like, yes, that's cool. But what if one person in this room Catches a vision for hearing and obeying the voice of God, and a year from now get to look back and say, "What a ride! What a ride!" That's why we do this, so that one of you, one of you, five of you, thirty of you, will catch a glimpse of what God really has in store. For I know the plans that I have for you. They're bigger than your plans. They're better. Father, I pray that you would bless this time together. That you would honor the word that has been spoken. The stories that have been told. The the passion that has been seen. Father, I pray that you would light a fire inside of us to be doers of your word and to just, to just, as we go, let you use us and speak through us. And Lord, I know that many don't know how, but Father, you've already worked out the how. You just need us to be willing. Father, I pray with all of the passion that I could pray with that you would light us on fire to simply be obedient today and then do it again tomorrow and then do it again the next day. And God, I do pray that you would give us some stories this week that we could tell to each other next week that you truly are God who does what you say you'll do. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.